The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello and welcome to the show. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and you are listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety, and simultaneously being broadcast through Project Freedom Radio Network. If you're looking for me on the net, I am at leahbrendasmith.com, and on Facebook, the radio page, Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Today's show is about the science of gender. And generally speaking, as a society... We have been slowly, very slowly, transitioning away from gender stereotypes for some time. And with any kind of change, there's always the pioneers leading the way, often ahead of what the general populace can really embrace. But more and more people are choosing to see gender as a spectrum, that they move along with ease. Um, in the way that they identify with themselves. This can be expressed through the things that we have typically looked to for gender identification, indicators such as hairstyle, dress, movement, body postures, expressions, vocations, interests, but it can also have nothing whatsoever to do with any of these type of stereotypical gauges. Masculine and feminine is a spectrum that we all travel along regardless of our gender. Men and women both possess and express masculine and feminine energy all of the time. And people tend to move along this spectrum in a natural way for the most part, without even giving this subject any thought. Now, mostly we've been raised in cultures that are binary when it comes to gender identification. You are either male or female, which has been a black and white identification based solely on whether you're born with male or female sex organs and reproductive systems. Yet there is an alternate awareness that is being filtered into this binary idea of gender. It seems that gender has more to do with what's going on between your ears than what is between your legs. In the past few years, there have 
there's been a lot of exposure in the press about a transgendered population. Anderson Live did a special on children and teens trapped in the wrong body. America's next top model contestant, Isis, was physically born male and has transitioned to a female. Tyra Banks did a show called Transgendered Children and Their Parents Speak Out. Dancing with the Stars contestant, Chaz Bono, was physically born a female and transitioned to a male. Oprah did a feature, I Am Jazz, about a little boy who's been living like a girl since she was five. Lisa Ling from the show Our America interviewed transgender child Haley. A recent film came out titled Chaz, which features the story of Chaz transitioning from a woman to a man. Rosie O'Donnell featured Jazz and Chaz on her show. And Dateline NBC's Hoda Knob did a feature presentation on Josie's experience of living a transgendered childhood. Now, during the Anderson Live special about transgendered children and their parents, Anderson asks, what would you do if your child insisted that he or she was in the wrong body? The struggle that these kids face can be horrendous. One teenager who transitioned to a boy says he used to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, I don't know who this is. Their parents have to make tough decisions. One parent reports, I had to come to grips with the fact that I didn't have a daughter anymore. I had a son. A young boy who is now living as a girl is asked, What do you want kids to know about who you are? And she emphatically responds, I am who I want to be. So let's look at the American Psychological Association for their body of knowledge and defining some of the ideas that we're exploring here. Sex is assigned at birth. It refers to one's biological status as either male or female, and is associated primarily with physical attributes such as chromosomes, hormone prevalence, and external and internal anatomy. Gender refers to the socially constructed roles, behaviors, activities, and attributes that a given society considers appropriate for boys and men or appropriate for girls and women. These influence the ways that people act, interact, and feel about themselves. Now, while aspects of biological sex are similar across different cultures, aspects of gender may differ. But with the ideas of sex and gender in place, let's look at what transgender means. 
Transgender is an umbrella term for persons whose gender identity, gender expression, or behavior does not conform to that typically associated with the sex to which they were assigned at birth. Gender identity refers to a person's internal sense of being male, female, or something else. Gender expression refers to the way a person communicates gender identity to others through behavior, clothing, hairstyles, voice, or body characteristics. And trans is sometimes used as a shorthand for transgendered. Now, while transgender is generally a good term to use, not everyone whose appearance or behavior is gender non-conforming will identify as a transgender person. The ways that transgender people are talked about in popular culture, academia, and science are constantly changing. And this is particularly true as individuals' awareness, knowledge, and openness about transgendered people and their experiences grow. Transgendered persons have been documented in many indigenous, western, and eastern cultures and societies from antiquity until the present day. However, the meaning of gender nonconformity may vary from culture to culture. Now, gender identity and sexual orientation are not the same thing. Sexual orientation refers to an individual's enduring physical, romantic, and or emotional attraction to another person, whereas gender identity refers to one's internal sense of being male, female, or something else. Transgender people may be straight, lesbian, gay, bisexual, or asexual, just as non-transgendered people can be. Some research has shown that a change or a new exploration period in a partner attraction may occur during the process of transition. However, transgendered people usually remain as attached to loved ones after transition as they were before transition. Transgender people usually label their sexual orientation using their gender as a reference. For example, a transgender woman a person who is assigned male at birth and transitions to female, who is attracted to other women, would be identified as a lesbian or gay woman. Yet if the attraction is to men, then she's considered heterosexual in her orientation. Likewise, a transgendered man or a person who is assigned female at birth and transitions to male who is attracted to other men, would be identified as a gay man. Yet if the attraction is to a woman, then he would be considered 
heterosexual in his orientation. Referencing contemporary Western views on gender diversity, psychologist Diane Ehrensaft states, I am witnessing a shakeup in the mental health community as training sessions, workshops, and conferences are proliferating all over the country and around the world. Demanding that we reevaluate the binary system of gender. Throw out the idea that gender nonconformity is a disorder and establish new guidelines for facilitating the healthy development of gender creative children. And child adolescent psychiatrist Edgardo Menville and psychotherapist Catherine Turek offer a support group for parents of non-gender conforming children at the Children's National Medical Center in Washington, D.C. And the aim is not at changing children's behavior, but at helping parents to be supportive. Other publications are beginning to call for a similar approach to support parents to help their children become their authentic self. Community organizations established to support these families have begun to develop, such as Gender Spectrum, Trans Youth Family Allies, the Trans Kids Purple Rainbow, as well as conferences such as Gender Odyssey, Family Conference, and summer camps such as Camp Aranactic, all with the goal of supporting healthy families with gender non-conforming children. Now, the popular media accounts of parents assisting their children to live in their felt gender role continue to emerge. These stories demonstrate that children and their parents face substantial stigma. However, Menville maintains that the therapist should focus on helping the child and family cope with intolerance and social prejudice, not on the child's behaviors, interests, or choice of playmates. A host of new terms being applied to these children, such as gender variant, gender non-conforming, gender creative, and gender independent, indicates that many are beginning to reject the label of gender identity disorder in children. The question of whether or not to counsel young children to be happy with their biological sex or to encourage them to continue to exhibit behaviors that do not conform to gender stereotypes or to explore a transsexual transition is controversial. And some clinicians report a significant number of young children with gender identity disorder no longer having symptoms later in life. There's an active and growing movement among professionals who treat gender dysphoria in children to refer and prescribe hormones known as puberty blocker to delay the onset of puberty 
until the child's old enough to make an informed decision on whether hormonal gender reassignment leading to surgical gender reassignment will be in the person's best interest. The people diagnosed with gender identity disorder may not regard their own cross-gender feelings and behaviors as a disorder and may question what constitutes a normal gender identity or gender role. One argument is that gender characteristics are socially constructed and therefore naturally unrelated to biological sex. Now this perspective often notes that other cultures, particularly historical ones, valued gender roles that would presently suggest homosexuality or transgenderism as normal behavior. And individuals diagnosed with gender identity disorder may also view transgendering as a means for deconstructing gender. However, not all transgendered people wish to deconstruct gender or feel that they are doing so. Those in the community who disagree with the diagnosis of gender identity disorder also state that the treatment for this disorder consists primarily of physical modifications to bring the body into harmony with one's perception of mental, psychological, and emotional gender identity rather than vice versa. The film Becoming Chaz is a heartfelt and honest portrayal of Chaz Bono, the only child of Sonny and Cher, on his emotional and physical transition from a woman to a man. Chaz says, I hated my body since puberty. In high school, often at night, I would go to bed praying that I would wake up as a boy. But a sex change never occurred to me at that point. It's kind of a weird time for me because everything's changing and there's so much that I didn't realize until I went on hormones and started to feel comfortable. As a man trapped inside a female shell, I was very cut off from the whole world. Now, for the first time, I'm living in my body. It looks the way I want it to, and it's making me feel more confident. It's just my life, says Chaz. And when asked, how does your mom, uh, is your mom happy about everything? Chaz responded by saying, you would have to ask her about that. There's a lot of stuff that she really doesn't know because I haven't told her. And a lot of it has been my fear of rejection. It's a hard thing for people to grasp. You really have to open your mind because so few people struggle with any kind of gender identity. People really take for granted that they feel right in their body. I'm doing this publicly because I want to help people. I want to put a face on an issue that people don't understand. And now let's take a look at what one transgendered family has experienced as recorded through the video lens of 
Christina Wentz-Grath. Isabella, at two, said, I, boy. You mean you want to be strong as a boy or fast as a boy? No, I, boy. At that point, Elizabella's mother realized that combined with the way she would run around and do things that her girls never did, like playing with cars and trucks and really playing rough with her sisters, she started to do research on the net about transgendered children. Children become aware of their gender between one and two years of age. And although Isabella was just two, she was expressing a mixed match between her body and her gender identity. So her mom, Jennifer, sought professional help, and Isabella was diagnosed with gender identity disorder. Her mom said it was devastating and shocking. But they coached us through our grief about the saturation, but they said the best thing to do was to embrace who he was. So we began our journey as transparents. Now, gender identity disorder is a rare condition. One estimate places it between one quarter of one percent and one percent of the American population. And in the past few years, there has been an increasing number of parents with non-gender conforming children who are seeking help and support. The way most of us were brought up is that there's a place for girls and there's a place for boys, says Diane Ehrenstadt, clinical psychologist. And you find your place, and that's what we call the gender binary. So if a child affirms a gender that doesn't fit in the binary box, and if a child is swished back into a box that they say they don't belong in, there are serious emotional risks for that child. Lisa Kennedy, Gender Spectrum Managing Director, reports, We all have a gender story. What I propose is that at the point at which you are faced with having to make a choice, you start to think about it. For some, it may be age three to five. For some of us, it wasn't until maybe we were teenagers. And Dr. Jennifer Hastings, the medical director from Westside Planned Parenthood, shared that in terms of a child or family being sure about gender, again, you have the full range of experiences. There are some kids that know right out of the womb, or as soon as they can talk, that they're another gender. Yet there are other kids that are not so clear. And for them, it's really a process of exquisite listening and intense exploration. Now, early intervention is becoming a widely accepted treatment approach by professionals. But how should parents respond when their child's gender identity doesn't fit the gender norms? Dr. Ehrenstadt reports that parents can either be supportive or prohibitive. And if they're prohibitive of their child's gender expressions and tell them that their core gender identity is not okay, 
they may be doing damage to their child's mental health. If they support, they may be bolstering their child's mental health. And that is where they can have a lot of influence. Now, in Isabella's family, Jennifer decided to allow her daughter to socially transition to a boy. Isabella became Izzy. They purchased a new wardrobe, and Izzy's hair was cut short. She says, I think it was then that I really got that what I was doing was right. By embracing him to be the boy that he knew he was, because I never saw my child as content as when he was in those boys' clothes. Boy haircut, looking as he imagined he wanted to look. For people who may have some doubts about what we are doing embracing him as a boy, I think if they could have some sympathy and try to be in our shoes, to understand that all parents love their children and want to support them. So it seems to me that the path is very clear, that I need to support him the best way I can, which is probably what any mother would want to do. You know, the media coverage of this subject certainly does its part to increase awareness and to educate people about this sensitive, controversial, and misunderstood topic that can be devastating for children and their families. Yet once the families understand the true nature of what's going on with their child, it can be the greatest blessing to support them to be their authentic self. More than four years ago, Haley's parents, Bob and Steve, began to recognize that there was something different about their youngest boy. Steve said, from the time Haley could express herself, it really was feminine. She always gravitated towards dolls and flowers. But it wasn't just that Haley seemed to prefer girls' things, the pink side of the world to the blue. Something else was going on. We noticed that she was depicting herself as a girl in all of her pictures. All the self-portraits were a girl every time. And Lisa Ling from Our America reports that in kindergarten, Haley began to assert herself in a whole new way. Steve says one day we heard from the teacher that Haley was in school having arguments with the boys saying, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. And Stephen Barb's youngest son, Harry, changed his name to Haley all on his own. Barb and Steve met with therapist after therapist and they heard the same word over and over, transgender. But their child was only five. Barb recounts the minute we were in the car, I just burst into tears. And Steve says, in that moment, it was so profound, I felt I had a dagger in my stomach. I was so angry. I was incredibly angry. Elisa Ling, who interviewed the family, she tried to understand how could someone feel that they are born in the wrong body at such a young age. Haley's story made her wonder how early, 
how early are we aware of ourselves as male or female? And for Steve, a Lutheran Sunday school teacher, his child challenged the most basic beliefs that he held. Haley's dad says, I really had a far different feeling about gender and sexuality. I was embarrassed and felt ashamed. I still believed that this was some sort of phase and this was not going to be permanent. Yet now I don't know that that is going to happen. If it does, it'll be okay with me. But I believe with conviction that my child is exactly who she is. God made her just like this. No one knows why people are transgendered. There, there are only theories. Some think that it starts in the room with hormone imbalances that change the brain to identify with the opposite gender. But what is clear is that many transgender people are like Haley, strongly aware of who they are inside at an early age. And this knowledge can lead to a difficult future. Many transgender children grow up hating their bodies and fall victim to high rates of depression, drug abuse, and suicide. For Barb and Steve, the choice was clear to support their child in order to save her from a future of heartache and pain. But they face a world that may not be as accepting as their choice. Elisa Ling asked Haley's parents, you know, there are some people who might say that you're encouraging this type of behavior, that you are encouraging this little boy to be something that he is not. And how do you respond to that? Steve says, I certainly didn't wish this upon my child. This is going to be a hard road. And Haley's mom matter-of-factly responded with, I can't even get my child to use a napkin at dinner time. You think I'm going to be able to get my child to change genders? I can't get her to brush her teeth at night. What we've finally done is come to terms with ourselves, with how to raise a healthy child, instead of raising a child who feels a sense of shame or secrecy about who she is. Now, for now, Haley's friends are accepting, but Barb and Steve know it's going to get tougher for her. Steve knows that for right now, the first grade's pretty safe, but the future could be really scary. They go into adolescence and puberty and things get complicated. But in the last months, her mom has seen Haley become more cognizant and more aware that other girls don't have the body she has. And her dad sometimes sits there and gets really concerned, thinking, who is going to love my child? Who is going to fall in love with her? Yet for now, her parents realize that it's all about loving Haley as the little girl that she feels she is. But the physical reality of being a biological male is going to catch up with her. And the next story is one that was presented on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Rosie had a candid talk with Jazz, who's 11, and her mom, Jeanette, about how Jazz and her family have come to accept Jazz as a girl even though she was born in the 
anatomical body of a boy. And Jeanette started the interview assuring the audience, she says, we are a regular family. And Jazz tells of being approached by the Oprah show, who did a full documentary of her story. And she says, I was really excited because I want to share my story with the world so that people can understand what it is to be transgendered. Ever since I was born, I felt like the girl, and it's just who I am. Before her mom, Jeanette, gender identity disorder is something she found out about when Jazz was very young. She explained it as somebody who's trapped in the wrong body and says, I'm a girl, which is different from, I like to do girl things, or I like to play with girl things. I am a girl. There's something wrong. God made a mistake. Please, I want a vagina, not a penis. Kids don't say that kind of stuff at two years old unless there's something off. Jeanette did a lot of research and found out that she had gender identity disorder, and Jazz was three when she was diagnosed. Jazz shares that she had a dream when she was two about a magic fairy person coming to her, and she said she was going to change her penis into a vagina. And when she woke up that morning all happy, she went to her mom and asked, Mom, when will the good fairy come to change my penis into a vagina? And Jazz says that's when her mom really understood that there was something happening to me. By the age of five, I was a girl. I wore girls' clothes, and I was treated like a girl. And Rosie questioned Jeanette. She said, you, you had to make that decision because a five-year-old doesn't get to make that decision of how they are presented in society. It's the parent's decision. And was it a tough decision for you? And Jeanette shared that it was very difficult. She said, we came together as a family to make the decision because Jazz was getting more and more depressed. She would fight every time we would leave the house. She would fight and cry and scream. Please don't make me go out in these boy clothes. I can't go to school like that. This was a baby in preschool who basically did not want to go anywhere unless she was true to herself and looked the way that she wanted to look. She was very upset at a dance concert because she couldn't wear the tutus like the other girls. I have it on film, the look on her face. She was devastated. The truth is she was suffering, and knowing that the suicide rates are so high with children with gender identity disorder, there's more than a 40% chance that they will try to kill themselves. So to me, gender identity disorder was a potential killer, and I didn't want to have a child who was depressed and suicidal. So we struggled with it, but we knew we had to let her be true to herself. She wanted to be a girl, and we needed to allow her to do that. 
when Rosie asked Jazz if she remembered what it felt like when her parents said that she had to wear the boys' clothes, Jazz said, yes, it was kind of hard for me because I didn't want to be a boy. Being a girl is more comfortable for me. That is how I want to be. And I'm glad that I have amazing parents and I'm a girl now. <laughs> Rosie tells Jazz, you have amazing parents and that she's glad that she realized that because a lot of parents wouldn't have, they'd have a hard time with the concept. And she asked her mom, have you faced criticism from family members and friends? And Jeanette says, yes, it didn't sit well with a lot of people. You know, they're always saying things to your face like, oh, okay, but you know behind your back there are whispers. She's also lucky because she has two brothers and an older sister that were very supportive. And they were around keeping the other kids away from her and telling them, I don't want you saying bad things about my sister. Now that she's maturing and all the stuff that happens at puberty, you have to make a decision what to do medically to be sure that doesn't occur. And that's a very difficult thing for, for parents. Jeanette says, you know, to put hormone blockers in your child's body is considered experimental for transgender kids. But they do it all of the time for kids with precocious puberty. To have to do this is a difficult decision. But I don't want to have a child who is depressed and suicidal. Rosie asked Jazz, do you remember having to have that discussion with mom and dad about whether or not to take these hormones? And Jazz says, yes, even today we're talking about it. And we've decided that we probably should because a girl is who I want to be. I always say that because it is. Since I was young, I had nightmares about getting mustaches and beards and I would go to my mom. I had a nightmare about growing hair everywhere. Then Rosie asked uh, Jazz if she had seen uh, the season of Dancing with the Stars and what she thought of Chaz. And, and Josie says that Chaz is a kind of like a hero. He's really brave to come out with his story. And Rosie brought Chaz on the stage and asked him what he thought it would have been like for him to have had someone on TV when he was 11 years old. And Chaz responds that that is part of why I do what I do. Because I think it would have made my life so much easier. I work with a lot of kids Chaz's age. And I do it because they can have this, these amazing lives that I had to wait 40 years for. If I can help somebody who's feeling this way to know that there are options out there and they can live their life the way they want to, then it's my job. I'm going to do it. And Rosie talked about how things had changed in the 30 years since uh, Chaz was 11. And he said, you know, that it really was crazy, all the changes. And, and they agreed that in these times, parents are astute enough to understand that it's not just a little boy who thought about being a girl, but who is actually a girl. And Chaz reiterates, I didn't even know that I could talk about it, and I didn't even know that I could grow up and become a man. I didn't know such things were possible. And these days, especially with the homeworn blockers, these kids that are figuring this out young, and these parents that are supportive 
are not going to have to go through the surgeries and the procedures and everything that we had to go through in order to reverse what biology did to us. And then this story, Dateline NBC's Hoda Knob aired Living a Transgendered Childhood in July of 2012. Josie Romero, born a boy, believed she was born in the wrong body. And by age six, she was living as a girl. When we first met her in 2010, she was nine and a half, and she seemed like any other happy kid, but Josie and her parents were facing problems that they hadn't anticipated. Josie was constantly checking for hair on her face and her neck and reports that she's changing like boy style. Josie, who had passed easily as a girl for years, was now terrified of her growing body afraid that puberty would soon turn her into a man. Nothing else is as important to her than getting her body to match who she is. Josie felt so much anxiety over her changing body that she once tried something drastic. She's working up her determination to perform her own surgery in the shower with her nail clippers until her mother ran in and grabbed the nail clippers from her hand. Now, what would happen to Josie? Even if her parents would allow it, doctors in the U.S. do not perform sex reassignment surgery before age 18. Some doctors have been experimenting with new hormone therapies for transgender kids, drugs that can start the gradual process of reshaping a child's body from one sex to another. It's a radical treatment for someone Josie's age. And her mom says that she she was really eager for her daughter to feel at peace. And if she takes estrogen, she will see her body respond to that and she will have that peace. So it's a two-step process. First, drugs called blockers suspend puberty. And in Josie's case, blocking the release of testosterone. And next, a more convenient controversial step. She could be given estrogen to make her body develop like an adolescent girl. And Dr. Dr. Margaret Moon, a pediatrician and bioethicist, professor at John Hopkins University, feels that taking the estrogen is something that ought to wait until the child is much older. She says the drugs that delay puberty, referred to as blockers, may be helpful in some extreme cases. However, the second step of giving opposite-sex hormones is alarming at Josie's age. The changes are irreversible and include rendering the child sterile as an adult. And even amongst the doctors who specialize in treating transgender kids, there's debate about when and whether opposite-sex hormone therapy is okay. Dr. Moon says we have lots of very well-informed, well-intentioned people looking at the same data and coming away with very different ideas. It's potentially an over-diagnosis issue. But for Josie's mom, Vanessa, there was no debate. She felt certain that not only would female hormones help Josie, But forcing her to go through male puberty could be psychologically devastating.
transgendered young people are five times more likely than their peers to attempt suicide. And whenever people ask Vanessa, how can she let Josie do this? She responds by saying, I'd rather have a living transgender daughter than a dead son. Now, Dr. Johanna Olson, whom the Romeros traveled to see at the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, is one of the few medical doctors in the U.S. who treat kids with gender identity problems. She says her patients aren't mentally ill. There's an alignment issue between their internal gender and their body. And Oda Cobb suggests to Dr. Olson, if she was a parent and she saw some gender issues in her child, that she might think that it was just a phase or maybe they're gay. But Dr. Olson says that they would be right. Those are very common occurrences. However, what I look for is persistence, consistence, and insistence. These are the profiles of kids that have very solid gender identities. And Dr. Olson already consulted with Josie's psychologist, and after her own examination, she could decide to give Josie hormone blockers, in effect pushing the pause button on her male puberty. And she could also prescribe estrogen, the far more extreme option, to begin Josie's female development. Josie's mom said it took her forever to realize what was happening with their child. I couldn't understand. It was a simple phrase. No, I'm I'm not cute like a girl. I am a girl. She used to act it out since she was three or so. She modified her school uniform by blousing her shirt, and she mimicked the other girls. She was anxious and depressed as a young child, and she ended up on 14 different medications, 17 doses a day. She was diagnosed with Tourette's, ADHD, anxiety disorder, and a sleep disorder. But once she was allowed to live authentically, her anxiety went away, and she has been medication-free for two years. Josie was angry with her body parts, with her boy body parts, and often saying that she was going to get rid of them. She used to accidentally hurt herself, and then it became more obvious and not so accidental. Now, after one, the one-hour conversation, there was a physical exam, and after the exam, Dr. Olstein determined that Josie was, in fact, too young to start any kind of treatment, as she still wasn't entering puberty. Now, understandably, Josie was upset because she wanted to be like the other girls. And nearly a year went by, Josie impatiently waiting for the estrogen treatment, which is controversial at her age. Guidelines developed in Europe suggest waiting around age 16, and bioethicist Dr. Moon says the few studies that do exist suggest that young kids with gender identity problems often grow out of them. Now, Josie did have a momentary reconsideration about her choice and suggested that maybe she was a boy on the inside and a girl on the outside. But as her mother investigated the issue further with Josie, Josie admitted that she was concerned that maybe her mother would be sad if she transitioned fully into girl and then a woman, and was suggesting that she would stay as a boy and grow into a man if that would keep her mom from being sad. 
And Josie said that this was based on remembering that her dad was initially sad to learn that his child, he thought, was a boy, was really a girl. And he had to let go of the dreams that he had for his son and accept that he had a daughter. You know, a lot of kids that start out as children say, I'm in the wrong body and end up finding out by the time they're in middle adolescence that they're actually fairly comfortable with their own gender. But Josie's not one of those kids. Dr. Moon, who opposes opposite sex hormone therapy for kids Josie's age, says most 9 and 10 year olds are not mature enough to participate in life altering medical decisions. She says they're not sure of whom they are and they can't really offer their parent that sort of reassurance. Even Dr. Olstein says there's no exact science that can determine who is truly transgender. She says what's missing in the data right now is the exact characteristics that would indicate that this means that this child for sure is going to be a trans adult, a trans adolescent and adult. We just don't have that kind of data. But Nob says that she finds that estrogen therapy concerning because a decision is being made whether or not Josie will have children and her own biological children in the future. And that's why the role of the blockers is so important. They give the opportunity for two or three years to really work with the mental health therapist on what it's going to mean to have a transgendered life. You know, Dr. Norman Spack, an endocrinologist at the Children's Hospital in Boston, sums up this issue beautifully. And he says, any of us who are not transgendered can't possibly imagine what it would be like to experience what these kids do. These kids look under the bed sheets each morning to see if God answered their prayer. And I've heard this over and over as if it's a script. God failed me again. I woke up with the same body that I went to sleep with. And Dr. Spack's clinic for transgendered children was the first of its kind in the country. And in order for patients to go to the GEMS clinic for gender identity problems, they have to first have been in counseling for at least six, but preferably 12 months. The patient must not be considered to be psychiatrically disturbed. They have to have support of both parents. And they have to pass a rigorous test of gender identity that takes four or five hours to complete. Now, puberty suppressing drugs buy time for transgendered kids and their parents. It enables them to be a physical pre-adolescent for a longer period of time. And they are at any age, they're at the age when very serious decisions that are irreversible may not be appropriate. You know, the benefits as they continue to grow, they stay in that state in which both girls and boys are relatively similar. You can call it a decision phase. The minute you stop the drugs, within six months, the person's right back into puberty that their own gonad was designed to make. And some transgendered youth do choose to go back to their biological gender. And the hormone blocker is completely reversible. These children are moving targets, as we all are, as we go through adolescence. 
Now, Dr. Spack says that we had one child who was a genetic female who assumed a male identity who was living in the context of a horrendous divorce in the family. The mother thought that the child was literally going to fall apart with any major change, and puberty was certainly a major change. But about a year later, the child was startled to dress... No, the child started, started to dress increasingly feminine. She was comfortable now being a girl, and we suggested that maybe this blockade be stopped. At first, he admits, we were a bit crestfallen, thinking that maybe we had blown it because we'd gone through all the formal testing. But the mother came back and hugged us all and said, I think you saved her life. She was not ready, and she might have jumped off the deep end. You know, by the time they get to puberty, 80% of these kids will accept the puberty that they were given. And while there's very high incidence of gender variance, including being gay and lesbian, these kids are not seeking to alter their bodies. The other 20% of the kids who, when they get to puberty, fall apart, the dysphoria goes through the roof. They want things removed, they become potentially suicidal, depressed, anxious, whatever. These are the kids we see, and these are the kids that we can help. And then just in closing, you know, Ailana Van Zandt recently did a show titled Fix My Transgendered Life on the OWN Network, and it's the story of a 27-year-old transgender man who says his father, a pastor, is struggling to accept his lifestyle. And Ailana goes to Los Angeles to help. But Ailana says, you know, when it comes to our children, this is her message, we have no choice but to open our arms and let them in, no matter who they are or what they believe about themselves. Even when our children grow up not to be who we want them to be or who we think they should be, it's important to love them for who they are, even if we don't like it. The alternative is to lose them forever. And who wants that? Sometimes children are teachers for their parents. If that's your story, be brave. Love your parent enough to honor them enough to speak your truth. I know it's hard, but it's up to you to do the work. Don't put it off. Get support, if you need it, but do it. And in the meantime, stay in peace, not in pieces. It's good to realize how much each of us can support others by accepting who they are, whatever the story is. And my aim here today was just to give some education and some information, and to open our minds and our hearts to be more accepting of everyone that's around us, all genders, all attitudes, all ways of being. I thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith, 
And until next time, let's relax and enjoy life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.